0: hello everyone welcome to the shut up and teach podcast i'm your host elijah carbajal as a teacher i know how important it is to stay informed and inspired and that's one reason why i started this podcast on the shut up and teach podcast we have honest conversations and purposeful reflections on all things educational with the goal of inspiring you to take action in your classroom Whether you're a new teacher just starting out or you're a seasoned pro, we've got you covered. If it's educational related, we're going to talk about it. So be sure to hit that like and subscribe button so that you can stay updated when new content is released.
1: Now, it's time to shut up and teach. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com now let's get on to the episode hello everyone it's elijah here thank you for tuning in to this episode of the shut up and teach podcast on this episode i'm speaking to dave burgess dave burgess is the co-author of p is for pirate and he is the author of the new york times best-selling book teach like a pirate which is one of my favorite books and i know it's a favorite of many educators across the world he is a highly sought after keynote speaker who is known for his outrageously energetic performance style as president of dave burgess consulting inc he has disrupted the publishing industry by releasing over 180 groundbreaking books by innovative educators from around the world. Dave Burgess has been doing his work and impacting educators for over 10 years now. So, I'm super excited that you join us because I know that he's going to impact you the same way he's impacted me. So, without further ado, let's get to our episode with Dave Burgess.
0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast and the captain is on deck. Dave Burgess. Dave, how you doing?
2: I'm doing fantastic. Hey, thanks so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, absolutely. I um, just want to take a moment here before we jump into it and just say uh, to you, thank you for all that you've done for uh, myself and for educators around the world uh, through your work uh, um, with Teach Like a Pirate and Dave Burgess Consulting and uh, and now the podcast as well, which I'm a big fan of. I appreciate all the content that you release from that. So it's, it's my pleasure to have you here on the show. So I'm so hey. glad that you're here.
2: Thanks. I'm honored by that. Yeah. It's great to be connected and uh, love all the work that you're
0: putting out into the world too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dave, let's get right into it here. Um, you know, there's, there's a question I've been pondering. And when you agreed to come on the show, it was like this, this is a guy I need to ask this question to. And because there's a, there's a lot of, Teachers, I've heard a lot of teachers and seen a lot of teachers on uh, social media say things like, oh, the pandemic is over. And now we can get back to the way things were. And, but I've, I've noticed I'm like, well, that the pandemic started in 2020. That's three years ago, right? If we go back to, you know, 2019, 2020 school year, that's three, four years ago that we're coming up on here. Some of those things that we were doing then were, are outdated. They're They're no longer effective anymore. So, And we've learned a lot from the pandemic and through the pandemic, through things like, you know, just different tech tools and just different ways to engage students. So how do we ensure that we actually don't go back to the way things were pre-pandemic? How do we continue to move things forward?
2: Yeah. And so I think that, uh, I think when you talk about something like innovation and George Kuros talks about this, is that innovation is things that are, It's not just new, but it's like new and better. It's like improvements and you're looking for things. So it's not that we're gonna throw it all out, right? There's some stuff that we were doing beforehand, which is fantastic and that we want to keep doing. And uh, like innovation just for the sake of just doing things that are new, doesn't make sense to me, right? It's what's better. And through the pandemic, maybe we discovered some stuff and we learned some new skills and some new ways of connecting with kids that were that are better and that we need to carry those forward and then as we come back as we've come back together post pandemic it's like how can we blend all these things together it's like always a mashup i'm i'm always suspicious of anyone who has the who acts like they have the answers or there's a particular system or way of teaching right i talked about this in my book with um it's uh i think it's called classroom kung fu i think is what the section is called where bruce lee he had this, he was raised in this like Wing Chun style kung fu, uh, very formalized and very systematic. And these, like you would go through these various forms. And then what he realized was that was he was just limiting himself. He was not taking advantage of certain techniques from other styles because it was like, that's not my style, right? That's I, I don't teach that's not how I that's not how I fight. And what he realized, he created his own style, uh Jeet Kune Kondo, which was basically. He said, I'm going to take the best of everything, and that's going to be my style. You're not going to define me by any particular style. My style is going to be, I am going to take the best of everything based on its, I I only have one thing that I'm going to base it on, its effectiveness in combat. That's what I'm going to And that's how I feel that we should be as educators, is you don't have to proclaim a style. You don't have to be, you know, take the best of everything. And let your style be what is most effective with kids, most effective with students. That's why I've always been a little bit hesitant when someone says, like, uh, oh, I am a teach like a pirate style teacher. And I always want to make sure that people understand. Well, like, that isn't any particular one thing. Because teach like a pirate is about what's unique about you, taking what's unique about you, your strengths and talents, and then weaving it together with some of the human nature ideas of engagement and taking whatever's new on the horizon and take take the best of everything and and combine that together. And hopefully that's what a teach like a pirate style teacher is. It's not just uh, dressing up in a costume or something like that, you know? And so I don't like anything that gets too tightly defined. And so post pandemic, I hope that we're taking the best stuff that we had before. I hope we take the best stuff that we that we learned during the pandemic, and I hope we take the best stuff that's coming on the horizons now, like the all the new advances with AI and all that, and combine it to create what is the current reality for the best thing for students.
0: Awesome, yeah, I love that answer. And you know, you brought up a good point. Um, you know, Rick, I, I'm reading Rick Rubin's book right now, "The Creative Act," and um, he mentioned something in there about, um, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, but he says something like it's dangerous to get into the mindset that just because this way worked for you, that that's the way of doing it. Right. And so when we get into those mindsets of like, Oh, this is, I'm going to use your language. This is my style. Right. I think it starts to limit us. Right. And it, and it shuts down the um, kind of our openness to new ideas. Would you agree with that?
2: Oh, 100%. And I mean, I'll, I'll give you a personal example. Uh, I, I mentioned this in the book too, but it's, I was the non-tech teacher. Like I I kind of um, glamorized, or I mean, I was like, award as a badge of honor that as everyone around me was moving to hire all this these ed tech tools that I was like the old school guy who uh, wasn't using tech. And that I can even remember, I, I put a tweet out one time and it said something like, um, it was like, Riddle, what do you get if you take a bad lesson and add tech? And the answer was a bad lesson with tech. Right. And and so but I was rejecting unbelievable ways I could have advanced my teaching because I was the non-tech guy. Like oh I don't I don't use that stuff. I don't I don't need that stuff. And now looking back on it, I could have gone so much further. It could have been so much better, and it had been so much more effective with students if I had been open-minded and willing to embrace some of these technology tools that my friends, my buddies, were were bringing to me and showing me. And um, and I was kind of almost, you know, like I said, I was almost like glorifying the fact that like I wasn't open to it, and that that was a that was a mistake. And so I think at any time you're rejecting something because it's so-called not your style. Then you're just it's that that closed minded approach is going to be um, less effective for students.
0: Yeah, you almost have to approach things with the beginner's mindset, huh? Almost with that, like sort of naivety of like, I don't know, sort of, but I'm willing to be open to so many things. So, yeah. I, yeah, I love what you're talking about there. It's great. Now in your book you mentioned uh you mentioned I, and I can't remember the phrase exactly, so excuse me, but it's something in the effect of there's nothing wrong with wanting to be an excellent teacher. And you really talked about like striving for that excellence and in in our practice as teachers. And so um, you know, I've seen a lot of teachers do that, you know, on my you know, myself. I really try to make sure that I am, you know, striving to be excellent and all that. But um, I'm gonna ask you the question now, what's something right now in your life doesn't have to be educational related, but what's something in your life right now that you're striving to be excellent at? Yeah.
2: So I think one of the things you mentioned at the beginning was the the podcast. And so podcasting is relatively new for me. And I had a couple of starts and stops with it. And so I started my podcast a couple of years ago, but multiple times I've taken months, even half a year off, like in between episodes and, um, It's something in 2023 I've committed to trying to be more regular and get an episode out per week. And I'm late this week, by the way, but uh, get an episode out per week and to really kind of hone in on um, trying to get better at interviewing, trying to get better at preparing for the uh, guests that I have on, trying to get real short, powerful, brief, succinct messages when I do the solo episodes and, um, you know, get in, say what I want to say try to drop the mic, get out, you know, and and not and have those be kind of short. And so I am learning my way around that. I'm learning my way around promoting the podcast too. And so like the numbers aren't where I would like them to be right now. And so I'm kind of going back to the start and learning my way through a whole new medium with that. And I'm getting ready to maybe start getting into the short form video things and possibly jump into the TikTok world, which I'm on TikTok as I can a test to by how many hours I spend scrolling it, but I haven't posted yet. And so that's something that, you know, moving forward into 2023, 2024, I'm going to start maybe doing some more short form video stuff too. So that's a whole new learning area for me where I have a definitely, definitely have a beginner's mindset.
0: Yeah. I love that. So um, the podcast, you said, is relatively new. Well, I mean, not new because you've been you've had it for a while, but now you're really in this this uh, season where you're committed to it. Right. So um, are you learning some things along the way there about podcasting, about guests? What are you what are you kind of learning from that?
2: Yeah. So uh, I'm getting better and better at the technical side of it, of course, and faster and what used to take me half a day. Now this doesn't take me half a day anymore, as far as editing and all that. And um, but I'm also just learning uh, like how to prep. I think I'm doing a better job of prepping for guests and learning how to be. It's like this, you know, you need- I'm sure you know this as you prepare for guests is that you want to have some sort of structure. You want to have some place to go. You want to have some sort of preparation, but at the same time you want to be able to take advantage of where the conversation leads. And even though you might have a couple of things in front of you that you thought maybe where it was going to go, the conversation takes it somewhere else and being willing to take that kind of an uh, education, we call it the teachable moment, right? Take that teachable moment and follow that rabbit hole and, and go down that rabbit hole where it goes. And that's something that I'm trying to get better and better at is the really like listening to the guest and engaging what they say and not just keep, not just like looking at what I have next on my, list for where I want to go with the next question, but really trying to capture that teachable moment and try to go, oh, that's actually fascinating what they just said. I'm gonna throw this out over here and follow this because this looks like a more productive path. And at first that's pretty tough because it's nerve wracking to have that thing recording and the conversation is just flowing. And so to kind of ride that wave, of the conversation is definitely not something that is completely natural as so that's something that i'm trying to get better and better at
0: nice i appreciate your honesty with that because you know there's i i'm sure there's people listening that may have that like hey i want to start a podcast myself or you know i've thought about it or i've been in that same place it's a lot of work isn't it it's it's a lot of work especially if you're doing it solo by yourself you know all the Recording, you know, getting guests, editing—all those things—it's a lot of work. So I appreciate your honesty in that because sometimes we we can look at you know a podcast and just think, "Oh, that's easy, right?" You plug in a microphone and just talk. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate your honesty and just sharing all that that you are learning about yourself and learning about your podcast journey yourself. So I I appreciate that.
2: It's definitely a skill set. Like it doesn't—it's not something that comes naturally to conduct an interview and so and the other thing i'm doing is i'm an avid listener listener to podcasts and so some of my favorite podcasts a lot of them are outside of education but i'm really honing in on hey what why do i like this podcast so much what is it about the way that this person asks questions that draws out the best from their guests and what is it that like and so i'm really paying attention more in a different way now to the podcast i listen to And it's been kind of fun to kind of go down that journey.
0: Yeah. Well, I love your podcast listeners. If you haven't heard uh, the Dave Burgess show, check it out on your podcast app. Um, It's a fantastic show. Dave does a lot of uh, great reflections. I love listening to those. And then of course he's got um, some guest episodes on there. So yeah, if you haven't checked out his podcast, do yourself a favor and get on over there and check that out. So uh, Dave, on the podcast here, this Shut Up and Teach podcast, we offer a lot of ideas and you know, we try to ask, offer strategies to kind of help uh, listeners to teach with excellence and with passion. So I'm wondering if you could fire off maybe three engagement, maybe ideas, strategies, or hooks, like you call them in your book, um, that teachers could use going into uh, the, the next school year.
2: Yeah. Okay. So one thing is uh, one of the central questions of Teach Like a Pirate is asking, how can I use that? So as you're going around, as you're going through your summer vacation, as you're seeing things that are drawing people in, um, always asking the question, how can I use that? Like, what is it that's drawing people in outside of education right now into whatever it might be? And how can I use that in my classroom? And so when the news event comes up, how can I use that? When you're going through the store and you see that cool item, how can I use that? Um, Whatever it is, you're always are asking yourselves that question and you'll be amazed at how many ideas you run across just through the course of your ordinary life. Um, Since it's summer, I'll add this one too, is that I have a section in my book called Creative Alchemy where I talk about creativity, um, like you should read wide and live wide. And so don't be just focused on education. And time that you spend outside of education is not wasted time for education. It's actually going to inform your teaching. It's going to give you creative ammunition from other areas of life to bring into your classroom. Teach Like a Pirate is a really strange book. I'm going to tell you something strange about it. There's not one single education book referenced inside of it. Not a single one. Not because I don't like education books. I publish over 180, right? It's because that's not where it came from. It was all these other things in my life. My background as a coach influenced how I deliver instruction and give feedback to kids and, and uh, develop a motivational component to my class, like how a coach can get a team ready to knock down a wall coming out of a classroom. like, I could do that with my students. My background as a magician, influenced by sense of staging and showmanship, incorporation of props. My background as a marketer, an entrepreneur, like how a marketer uses, uh, uh, what is a marketer trying to do? They're trying to be persuasive. They're trying to persuade you to take a certain action. Right. Well, that's what a teacher wants to do. They're trying to persuade you to take a certain action and to uh, and, and to do things. And so, I'm using marketing and sales techniques in my in my classroom. Uh, my background is NIMC. Like, if you were to see me do professional development, at some point, you might ask, like, "What? Well, like, is this professional development or is this a show?" Like this guy is like going off up there, right? And while I'm a person who's used to speaking in a fast and flourishy way on a microphone in front of other people because of the background as an MC, So all these things have come together to create the best me, but it's because I was willing to honor my outside passions and interests and develop new passions and interests. And so as you're going into the summer, be willing to unplug, in a sense, from education, honor your outside passions, develop new ones, develop new hobbies, all that stuff is going to only help you as a teacher. It's going to give you creative ammunition uh, from other areas of life. Um, and that's kind of some, Rick Rubin talks about some of that kind of stuff as well. Is that, uh, you know, it's, it's where, it's the intersection of, you, of unique, like people are into such unique things. And it's the, the intersection of those things where originality happens. Because there's no one out, why, why is Teach Like a Pirate unique? Well, who was out there that was a magician, an entrepreneur, an MC, a teacher, a basketball coach? No, no, there, I am that person. And so the fact that I was willing to draw on those different areas to create something is going to make it unique. But that's just not me, that's everyone. Everyone's ability to take what's unique about their life and draw it together—that's where they're going to find their originality, and that's where gonna, they're going to find like that kind of that blue ocean space where there's no there's no competition. Like, who's going to be my competition with those combination of factors? You know. It, it isn't out there just like there's no competition for you with your combination of factors. And I see your guitars hanging in the background. And so you have like all you're all these different elements and influences of music and different things that have created you. And there's no competition for Elijah because there's no other person that has those, those combination of factors. So that's, that's one thing. The other thing I would say that was probably seven things. So I apologize. (laughs) Fire away, my friend, just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I, I I always talk to teachers about uh, preheating the grill, right? And so that's something that I I love to do is talk about. You don't put your steak down on a cold grill. Preheat your grill. Because when you drop your steak on a cold grill, nothing happens. When you drop your steak on a preheated grill, it sizzles. I want my content to sizzle when I drop it. So building up. So how can I build up mystery, curiosity, buzz, anticipation? And so it's asking ourselves, like, what is it? that I can say today that's gonna to make, them, make them excited about tomorrow? What is it that they, they're gonna see when they walk in the room today that's gonna to get them asking questions about, oh my God, did you see what he, what he has on the front of the room? Like, what are we gonna do? What is it that I can uh, you know, put in that box with the question mark that makes them desperate to know what's inside? Or, well, how can I build up mystery, curiosity, anticipation, and kind of put them on the edge of their seats for things that are gonna happen? And then the third one I'll add is this, A lot of times in education, we have this belief that, like, things like art and music, that's something for kids to do, like, when they're over in this part of the building over here, or during like this particular hour of the day. There's like, okay, now we're in art time or music time. But that cross curricular approach to education, that blending and weaving of subjects of art, music, technology, all those things into everything we do, that's when it's like, Uh, really helps kids process things in different ways, develop that creative spirit. And that creates that richness of lessons. So back to that preheating the grill analogy, the steak, you know, we want to have rub and seasoning, like marinade and side dishes, beverages, desserts. Uh, All those things are what creates a meal or what creates a lesson. And so don't just serve raw content to a raw steak to your to your kids make sure it has the seasoning the marinade the side dishes the beverages the desserts and that comes in all these different ways of like projects and hands-on learning and art and music and all that thing all that stuff woven together that's what creates a true um, powerful lesson or a true powerful meal powerful and delicious meal
0: and you're dropping a lot of insight and wisdom in here in this episode and i appreciate you dave for doing that Um, maybe some advice now for somebody just starting out first year teacher, maybe they're looking at, you know, or listening to this and going, man, that's, that sounds great, but it's a lot. It might be overwhelming. Where's a good starting place for people when they're tapping into this create, when they're tapping into creativity and originality, what's a good starting place?
2: Yeah. Start with one thing. That's where I started. Like, uh, for example, one of the things I'm known for is the costuming, right? And that the, the reason The reason that I'm known for the costumes is because it's just visual. I got that, those are the pictures, right? That's like, or that's, I'm walking through the um, office at school and I'm wearing some wild costume. Well, that's what people see, right? So a lot of the teaching techniques that I'm using, uh, people don't see, right? (laughs) Because it's not something that's readily, you're not readily able to capture it in a picture. So the costume. how did, how did I get so many of these costume ideas? I started with one. I didn't have all of them. I did one. The t- kids loved it. I did another one. Then I had two, and then three, and then four. And then you build this repertoire. So never be overwhelmed by what you can't do. Do what you can. Like, t- make sure you do what you can do. Well, you can do one thing. You can try one engagement strategy that's different in, in your next lesson. Anyone can do that. And that's where you always start. the other thing I always tell new teachers is that, uh, the, so here's a, here's a typical situation. Teacher comes up to me, and says, "I'm going to quit. I'm not any good at this. My lesson, like, it was a horrible disaster, and I think I need to leave the profession." I say, whoa, 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 hold on. Tell me what happened." And they'll describe a situation where maybe 29 of their 30 students were wildly engaged, but one kid was a behavior problem, popped off, and uh, you know, sidetracked the lesson. They'll walk away from that experience feeling like a failure, and I'll say, "Well, hold on. Wait a second. If you set up your rubric for success," that you have to have 100% engagement from 100% of your students on 100% of the days, you have now just set up a rubric where you're gu- you guaranteed yourself a lifetime of disappointment and failure. That's not the way that it works. This, these ideas, these strategies will help make you better. They're never gonna make you perfect though. Perfection mm-hmm. cannot be uh, what, is, what is your definition of success because it's, it's not reachable, it's unattainable. And new teachers, walk away from situations like that feeling like it's them. Like, I'm not cut out for this because all my kids weren't engaged. My lesson was a disaster today. Maybe it was a total, maybe it was a total failure. It wasn't one kid, it was all the kids. It was a total failure. They walk away thinking it's a problem with them. Now, that happens to teachers through the entirety of their career up to the very last year I was teaching. I taught 17 years. In my 17th year, I had lessons that were complete failures, disasters, behavior management issues in some lessons, kids disengaged. Like I didn't have perfect lessons 17 years into the game, but a new teacher feels like a failure if they have one in their very first year. <laughs> Cause they think it's that, no, it's not because it's, it's not you. It's that this is really, really hard stuff. And uh, at the same time, I can't imagine anything more meaningful or worthwhile. And so hang in there and um, and, and keep fighting.
0: Uh, yeah, and Dave, I appreciate that answer too, because you're talking about the reality of it. Teaching is hard and it it can be overwhelming, but you're dropping encouragement at the same time. It's not just doom and gloom. Like some of my professors, like I, I had college professors that were like, if you can make it to year three, that's how you know you're meant to be a teacher, but it's hard. And that was it. And it was just like, set me up going like, oh my gosh, like that first year was like, I don't, I think I, I think I picked the wrong profession here. Cause this is tough. And I don't know if I'm going to make it to year three. So, um, horrible advice <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it. is it, it's, it's tough in your first year. It's tough in your fifth year. It's tough in your twentieth year. Like this is just tough stuff that we do. But again, like I said, like I can't imagine anything more meaningful, more worthwhile. Um, there's it's you're you're literally a life changer. You're literally changing the
0: um, you know, direction of people's lives. And I can't imagine anything more me- meaningful than that. Yeah, it's it's really powerful. So. All right, Dave. We're gonna get ready to wrap up here, but I've got my three-part question for you. This is, and I'm really excited to hear what you have to say here. These don't have to be educational at all. I'm really just curious to know these three things: what are you listening to, what are you reading, and what are you watching?
2: What am I listening to? Okay, so uh, I'm gonna go backwards with first of all, with what I'm watching is I'm about ready to binge the last season of Ted Lasso. I haven't seen it yet. I know everyone's been, I've been trying to avoid spoilers and all this kind of stuff like this. And so uh, I am about ready to sit down in the next week and binge watch the um, last season of Ted Lasso. So that's what I'm, uh, what I'm listening to. Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. So um, I am going to, I, I, I know you're probably thinking music, but I'm going to go with podcasts.
0: That's (laughs) cool, too. No, that's cool, too. It's really whatever. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I just listened to I've been having some um, some injury issues, shoulder back, things like this. And so I just listened to a great episode on the Tim Ferriss show. I love the Tim Ferriss podcast, long form podcast, talking about someone who I I, um, try to watch how they ask questions and how they prepare for the episodes. Tim Ferriss is one of them. And so he just had an episode where they're talking about injury and recovery and all that kind of stuff like that. And so that's what I was just listening to yesterday out doing some yard work. Um, And then what is, uh, what am I reading? Yep. Okay. I just was put something down that. So I, I am a person, I I wrote about this in the Sunday seven. I'm a person that is, that loves to reread books. And so I find books that were meaningful for me at certain points in my life. And sometimes I like to go back and revisit them. Like, it's like having a conversation with a mentor that you haven't seen in a while. Like this person was a mentor in your life at a particular time. um, And they got you through something or gave you some sort of insight. And every once in a while, it's good to go um, have another conversation, so to speak, with our mentors, in this case, books. And so I was just rereading a book called The Magic of Thinking Big by David J. Schwartz. And so uh, that was a book that I read a long time ago when I was starting my entrepreneurial journeys. And so I've been rereading an old book, the magic of thinking big.
0: I love it. Awesome. Dave, before we sign off here, um, do you have any final thoughts, something you want to leave our listeners with maybe a call to action?
2: Yeah. So first of all, uh, lots of people, Don't put their work into the world because they don't think that there's anything unique about it or like, oh, I'm not doing anything that's particularly special. And I can guarantee you that whatever it is that you are doing, it is unique. It is special. It is necessary. Even if you're putting work out into the world that other people that maybe other people are doing, it's still there's lots of people sitting on the fence. Like when you think about innovation, creativity, risk taking, all these things, there's people sitting on the fence, they're a little bit scared. They're a little bit hesitant, and when you put your work out into the world, it just helps them feel it. Even if they're already doing it, it validates their practice. There's lots of people criticize. There's lots of criticism out there right now, and lots of harsh judgment on education and teachers. And so, anything that you can put out into the world that shows that this is a fantastic profession, this is worthwhile work, this is something meaningful, Um, share that because I'm uh, I'm I'm a little bit frustrated by the narrative that. I can't stand it when people tell people to avoid education and and don't go into teaching. Um, And I think lots of people are sharing lots of horror stories right now and lots of nightmares about education. And those are completely valid. I understand that those things are happening, but there's also a lot of wonderful things happening in schools and classrooms all over the world and educators who are doing absolutely incredible things. And so let's make sure that we share those stories too and kind of counter that narrative that uh, education should be avoided. Like I, we want the best and brightest of our young people to want to want to pursue a career in education, and I think we do that by sharing uh, sharing the, the positive stories too.
0: Great, thanks, Dave. We appreciate that. Uh, before we sign off here, how can our listeners get connected with you?
2: Yeah, so if you're a Twitter person, I'm at Burgess Dave. If you're on Instagram, I'm at dbc underscore INC. Uh, My podcast is The Dave Burgess Show, and you can find me at daveburgess.com or daveburgessconsulting.com.
0: Great. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate your time so much today. Thank you so, so much for being a guest on the show.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me on again. I really love your podcast.
0: Thank you. Appreciate that. All right, listeners, I uh, trust that this has been a great episode for you as well. Um, I would love it if you would share this episode um, on your social media, share it with a colleague or a friend. And um, if you liked what you heard, go give it a nice rating on your podcast app as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I hope that you'll check out previous episodes, and I hope that you'll share this with a friend or a colleague.